practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, for leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, for over, but overcome evil with good. Such good advice for all of us. <clears throat> but anyway, with those words in mind, I want to continue with the lesson this morning. I'm not quite sure just how this works, but over the years, as I have matured, as we have matured, in my Christian walk, I have come to realize that I'm not very good at being a good Christian. I try, I struggle, but I realize that I'm not very good at it. Sometimes I'm not very good at being Christ-like. Of course, I know that I am my own worst critic, it seems like, but who knows me better than me? Sometimes my outward appearance may be somewhat different than my heart is. And think about that and think about yourself. Sometimes my outward appearance may be different than what my heart is, and it shouldn't be. But it's one of those things that makes me a sinner just like the rest of us. Do you ever feel that way? For an example, sometimes we have been introduced to or run into a person that, you know, our initial thought is that's a creepy person. That's just a weird person. But we don't say anything about that we don't let our expressions and our emotions convey that but sometimes we think that therefore our outward appearance is a little different than our heart because God and God only knows my most inward thoughts and desires he knows me best he even knows me better than I know me He knows how I think. He knows how I will react to different things in my life. And he knows what condition my heart is in. So if I meet that creepy or weird person, he knows what I'm thinking. He knows what's in my heart. When I come to realize those facts, and it's been a few years back, 
But when I come to realize that, it makes me realize deep down inside that I am in great, underline great, I am in great need of him and his forgiveness. That's when I need to have a heart-to-heart talk with him. That's when I need to be humble and pray. And that's when I need to confess to others and receive the prayers of others at that time. Scripture tells us to do that very thing. Now, if you'd like to, I'm going to be reading out of the book of James real quickly. James chapter 5, verse 16 talks about that. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Confess your sins to one another. How many here have done that recently? I haven't. Confess your sins to one another. We're being told directly to do that. And that's really easy to do, right? Confess your sins to one another. No, it's not easy. Well, why not? Why is it hard for us to confess our sins to one another? And we are told to do that very thing in the Bible, in God's word. Confess your sins to one another within the body here. We don't do it because it may be embarrassing. None of us want to be embarrassed. It may make us feel weak. It may make us feel vulnerable. If I confess this to this person, what are they going to think of me? Do we feel inadequate? Do we think that we will be thought less of? Well, there are many, many reasons why we are reluctant to confess our sins to one another. However, think about this. When we confess to others and when we ask for others to pray for us, we are showing one of those godly traits. Have you ever thought about it that way? We are showing a godly trait called humility. And aren't we told to be humble and show humility? And remember that scripture that says, when I am weak, I am strong? Remember that? Well, in 2 Corinthians, it tells us about that. Chapter 12, starting in verse 8. And Paul's talking to the Lord here, and Paul says, Concerning this, I employed the Lord three times that it might leave me. And you'll remember that was the thorn in the flesh that was haunting Paul. And he was tired of it. And he talked to the Lord, and he implored the Lord three times that that thorn might leave him. And the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Well, how can that be? 
Well, we, when we confess our sins to others, we are kind of showing that weakness, aren't we? So power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness. Stop there for a second. How many of us are well content with weakness? That just doesn't seem to fit right, does it? But scripture tells us that it indeed is the case. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, when I am weak, I am strong. When we are weak and vulnerable, our relationships can actually grow stronger with the Lord and with one another. So that's kind of an encouraging uh, sentence for us to remember as the body of Christ when it comes to confessing your sins to one another. Maybe that'll take away that little stumbling block that we all have about, I don't want to confess my sins to Bill. Bill's going to know what I've been doing. Well, in doing so, that makes me stronger. That brings Bill and I closer together, and that brings us both closer to the Lord. Pretty simple. And oftentimes, we don't want to do that. So, okay, that leads me to this. Are you ready for this? Here goes. I'm going to confess a little bit to one another. Every single day when I'm praying, I include two things in my prayers. And it goes kind of like this. Almighty God, please forgive me for being so critical of others. Please forgive me for being so judgmental of others. Now, I'm probably the only one here that's ever critical or judgmental. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe some of you criticize others, even if it's just in your mind, or you are judgmental of others when maybe you should not be. Well, I was fortunate enough to be born into a great family. Speaking of me personally. However, just like your parents, my parents were the product of their environment. My parents were from the early 1900s, got married in the 1940s, and some of you have no idea what it was like then. But if you can imagine in your short life how life was, how the uh, culture was in our country, let's say 1980, is it different than it is today? Quite a bit. Well, back in that generation where my parents came from was in the 1940s when they got married. Um, their attitudes and their beliefs at those times were just different than today. My mother was the daughter of German immigrants. 
She was a church lady. And some of you that may have known her, she was very blunt and to the point. She would not have made a good diplomat because she wasn't real diplomatic. Very blunt and to the point, she was proud of her heritage. She was German. Well, if her name had been Zignorelli and she was Italian, she'd have been proud of that Italian heritage or from Mexico or from Ireland or wherever she may have been. That was just mom. She was proud of her heritage. She was pretty judgmental of others. Was that a fault of hers? Well, it was the way she was raised. That came from her environment in her family. She was pretty judgmental. She had a pretty clear perception of how everything should be. We're kind of that way, aren't we? How things should be, in our opinion. My dad, he wasn't so much like that. He was more laid back, easy going, wasn't much of a churchgoer until he met mom. And then he was. Thank God. Thank mom. But he was honest and he was hard working and that was in the 1940s and the world was very different place then in the 1940s. They'd just come out of World War II. Things were different then. And you all know the world as well as all the people in it are changing constantly. When you think about back to your own childhood and then compare it today with what's going on in the world, I think you'll agree with me that everything changes. Attitudes, cultures, everything. Well, that brings me, mom and dad made me. And I come along. And so I'm a product of my environment from back then. What my mom and dad taught me and being around my grandparents. When it came to church, it was a suit and a tie. And it was polished shoes. And you had your hair cut short. And you were respectful. And you were always on time, if not a little bit early. Being late just was not an answer. I learned to work hard, to love God, and all those things. You get the point. You're probably something similar to that. And then came the 1960s. Anybody remember the 1960s? Some of us do. The Beatles came along. A new wave of music. Bell bottoms, big hair, long hair, Elvis, pot got to be popular. People, weird-looking people at an intersection with a big sign that says, God is dead. The Vietnam War protesters, dishonest politicians, and on and on and on. I'm just talking about the world in the 1960s. Certainly different than it is today. Thankfully, God never changes like we do. Amen? We change constantly, and it's subtle. It is over time. But thank God, God never changes like we do. His word is the same today as it's always been. 
and it always will be the same. We are the ones that change, the world changes. Attitudes change, personal values, things that we accept and tolerate. I mean, what we've been looking at in the news recently with right to life versus abortion, pride marches, mass shootings, you know what I'm talking about. If you turn on the news, you see all kinds of things that are impacting our world today that weren't 40, 50, 70 years ago. God never changes. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about that. Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same, the same, the same. In the book of Malachi 3, 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. The book of Isaiah, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Unlike the world today, unlike us today, he doesn't change. So anyway, I too am the product of my upbringing. I tend to be critical of others and judgmental, and I realize that. I didn't used to, but I do realize it now. And I ask to be forgiven for that, for being critical and judgmental every single day. And you know, when I analyze that and look back on it, I went into the military in 1965, back in the 60s. I went into the military then. They told you how to dress, make sure this gig line was straight, keep your boots polished, how to keep your rifle clean all the time, March in single file, when you go to bed, when you get up, and on and on and on. So the military changed me a little bit, changed my attitude. That's a worldly thing having an impact on me. Then another thing that impacted me was going into law enforcement. Probably didn't change David. Or Jim Carrey, way well, yeah, I did. But you know, and, and I'm not complaining or I'm not knocking, I'm just trying to explain my situation and how the world impacted me. And I'm sure it could be applied to some of you too. But you know, when I was in law enforcement for almost 30 years, you, you got, whether somebody else trained you or you trained yourself to be perceptive of other people. If you saw somebody on a Harley and they had hair down to here and a couple of tattoos, you knew you probably should pay attention to that person. They might be going to do something wrong. Usually they didn't, but it's the training and the exposure that I had that kind of made me think that way. I was being perceptive of other people like that. So I'm the product of my upbringing and my training and so on and so forth. And I realize that now and that leads me to even more strongly ask for forgiveness and to not be so critical and judgmental. What about tattoos? 
If you have one, God bless you for it. I don't. But, you know, over the last, what, 20 years or so, it seems like tattoos are the rage. They're the thing. And sometimes uh, I'll mention it to Betty or she to me or something. Or you see somebody with tattoos all over me, you think, why would you do that? Why does that woman have green hair? Why does that guy have a ring here or a stud there or hole in his ear? Why, why, why? And I just keep praying, God, make me not so critical and so judgmental. Because I have come to realize it's not their problem. If they want to have purple hair and tattoos and do this or that, God bless them. I, I hope that works for them. It's my problem. It's my being critical. It's my being judgmental. It's my problem. That's something I have to work on. They have to take care of themselves. And then the millennials come around. Oh, I wish Harold was here. Millennials that don't wear a belt. Then they have uh, their shirt tails untucked. You know, why do we have shirt tails? It isn't to be down here. It's, you're supposed to tuck it in. You're supposed to wear a belt. You wear tennis shoes to church. I mean, gosh, my mom would have had a cow. But it's not Harold's fault. It's not millennials' fault. That's the way people dress. If I showed up here with a really good-looking Hawaiian shirt and bell-bottom pants, you'd probably think, what happened to that guy? Well, that used to be kind of the thing bell bottoms and but it's not that a, that's not the problem it's me it's me being critical and judgmental thank God he doesn't change and I can come to him in prayer anytime I want how critical can I be well pretty critical and then I remember in scripture it says in the beginning Let's make man in our image. Now it doesn't say, let's make everybody look like Larry. Thank God. Thank, thank God. Let's make man in our image. So when I look at green hair or tattoos or whatever the case might be that I tend to be critical and judgmental of, and forgive me for that, when I look at those things, it's just, he's or she is made in God's image too, Larry. Yeah, they don't look like you. They might not be the same color or have the same hair texture. Or they might not have white hair and can't grow a mustache or a beard very well. But they, too, are made in God's image. And I have to remember that. And sometimes it's hard, but I have to remember that. They are made in God's image just like I am. And that type of thought is sinful, and I hate that. Remember when Paul said 
about the very things he did is what he hated. Remember that? The words of Paul saying, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Paul wrote that for Larry, I think. But if I do the very thing that I do not want to do, I agree with the law and confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which dwells within me. Hey, that gives me a little comfort. It's not me. It's the sin within me that thinks that way, that's critical, and that's judgmental. That kind of gives me an out, doesn't it? It's the sin that dwells within me. And by the way, this is in Romans chapter 7, if you want to look at that later. For I know now that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the, the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that, that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells within me. That's a good reading, and it really sinks home for me. I hate that. That's why I ask for forgiveness all the time. It's my problem. It's not anybody else's. Who really cares what others do or look like? It's all my problem. It's the way I was raised and trained. and You know how that goes. But now, but now, because of God working in my life, I have matured more, and I have come to realize just how important He is and His Word, and it is paramount in my life, and it should be in yours. His Word is paramount. It is what I should be doing, and I know that. And it reminds me of the verse of one of our favorite songs, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Boy, does that apply to me. Amazing grace. Amen? So if you would please pray for me and allow me to pray for you, because I need it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I'm going to pray for you anyway. Whatever you or I may be struggling with, we all need prayers. Amen to that. In the book of Galatians, it talks about, in Galatians chapter 6, uh, 2 through 10, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be uh, tempted. Bear one another's burdens. 
bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regards to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, uh, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are in the household of the faith. The book of Ephesians also addresses that a little bit. And in chapter 6, it reads like this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And we'll pause there for a minute. My topic this morning about being critical and judgmental fall under that schemes of the devil. That's the sin within me that let me do that. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this world of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Wise words for us all. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. And sometimes we forget to do that. Could I have a volunteer this morning? Someone to come up here for just a minute. And I prefer someone between 10 and 15. Who would that be? Addie? Oh, there's one. Riley, come up here. Riley, you're off the hook. Or Addie, you're off the hook. 
pray for one another and confess your sins to one another. Do you have any medical problems? No. Good. Do you have any real problems that are bothering you today? No. That's great. So you see, sometimes we tend to pray for others when they get Parkinson's or cancer or COVID or someone dies or some problem in this world. We t- Oh, we need to lift that brother or sister up in prayer. But that's not what scripture tells us. It says we should pray for each other all the time. So I'm going to show you how easy this is. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for Riley. We thank you for his energy, his good heart, and that he's a part of this congregation, Father. We just pray that you would watch over him and protect him and guide him and direct him in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See how easy that is? Thank you. I appreciate you coming up. Sometimes we think, boy, something bad has to happen before we can pray for one another, but it is easy for us to do that. Well, this morning, if you have maybe been touched by the word, if you haven't already and you think you would like to give your life to Christ, this would be a great time to do that. Let's pray together, if you would, please. Almighty and loving God, Father, thank you for each and every one of us here this morning. And Father, my prayer this morning would be that I am human, I am a sinner, but I continue to dwell upon your word and to know that you are my God, and that I should come to you in prayer constantly, Father. God, I know that you love us so much, that you sent your only Son here to love us, to guide us and direct us in your ways, and to ultimately die on the cross for us. And we thank you so much for that. If you realize that you are a sinner, today and you haven't yet given your life to Christ we pray that you would do so today is the best day to do that father we thank you so much for your love for a time that we can spend here this morning praising you hearing your word and sharing the Lord's Supper watch over us father as we go about our ways watch over us guide us and direct us in Jesus name we pray Amen.